Welcome to the Ex Nihilo Radio Show. My name is Eddie Williams. I'm your host. So glad you can join me. Hey, we're back. It's been a while since we've recorded a show. You've probably been thinking, man, this guy's never coming back. Well, we're back. Um, just needed a little bit of time to deal with the very issue we're talking about actually today, which is burnout and stress. I actually uh, went through some adrenal fatigue. I've done it twice already um, over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. A lot of it due to the NFL, um, pastoring, um, starting nonprofit, and, and what have you. And so this is an issue that's near and dear to my heart and, and my wife's heart as well. Super glad to be bringing this topic to you. We've got a great guest. Wanted to run through a, a few of these statistics with you, though, about, about stress and burnout. It, it, According to uh, Statista.com and uh, one of the studies that they've done uh, in North America, employees that are reporting high levels of stress is at 62%. That's one out of or t- six out of 10 people experiencing high levels of stress at work. So very, very uh, prominent issue. Um, most of those people, 42% of those people said that workload is the number one stress uh, in their entire life. So the work that they do. So most people are taking on too much, entirely too much in their lives. And that's one of the biggest things that they're dealing with. Um, let me, let me read you another one of these here. The total, uh, percentage of total burned out male financial professionals in the United States is at 70%, 70%. So if you're dealing with money at your job, whether you're an accountant or maybe you're an executive leader at a ministry or you're a controller, VP of finance, whatever, you're dealing with 70%. Uh, likely 7 out of 10 people in those professions are dealing with significant amount of burnt out, burnout and stress. In Hong Kong, financial prof- professionals actually uh, deal with 87% of, of those folks. Uh, I'm stumbling over here. It's my first podcast back. 87% of those people in financial uh, professions in Hong Kong are burnt out. And are just working with it and don't even realize it. That's the tricky thing about burnout. The tricky thing about burnout is that no one sees it coming. And when it when, while it's happening, we don't know what's happening. It's, it's almost like we're, we're a frog getting boiled. And we don't even realize we're in the water boiling. It's crazy. So let's get on to the show. This is uh, part one of my conversation with Josh Reich. Uh, Josh is an awesome guy, a leader and pastor uh, in Tucson, Arizona. Let me uh, pull up his bio for you. Um, we had a great conversation about uh, burnout, adrenal fatigue, and stress and what that does to the pastor. So Josh is the lead pastor of Revolution Church in Tucson. They're an Acts 29 church, uh, that they're part of an Acts 29 church uh, plant organization that plants churches across the country. Their goal is, the, is the, to have the hope of filling the city of Tucson with the news that Jesus Christ is Lord. Josh is also the author of a book, Breathing Room, Stressing Less and Living More. Uh, he is also the creator of his blog, joshuareich.org, which I'll link in the show notes. And he there he tackles uh, the topics of ministry, health, and life. So, Josh, if you're listening, thanks for being on the show. We're glad to have you. I'm sure everyone's going to benefit. Again, this is part one of my conversation with Josh Reich. Well, welcome to the Ex Nihilo podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Eddie. We've got with us Josh Reich. Josh, how you doing, man? Nice to have you. Good, man. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely, man. I, I read your book a little bit, um, read through that, love your blog, get the, get the subscriptions and the email and, and all that. And so I wanted to have you on. But first, why don't you tell everyone who's not familiar with you, you know, who you are and, and kind of your background. 
Yeah, so I'm a pastor in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, planted a church about eight years ago uh, with 11 people, and uh, I've seen it grown over the last eight years. And I'm a dad to five kids. I have uh, one daughter and four boys, so we have just a loud house. Uh, we are constantly uh, wrestling and playing football and trying to uh, keep them from killing each other. And so I always, uh, we joke that we're kind of a beginning of a frat house because uh, often we have to remind our boys to put a shirt on because people are coming over. So, um, so our house is fun, um, keeps me on my toes, keeps me young. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about who I am. How long you been uh, in ministry? Let's see now. So about 18 years. So started right my freshman year of college when I became a Christian and uh, got to intern at a, a really great church uh, where I grew up outside of Philadelphia. So I grew yeah. up on the East Coast. All right. And, um, you know, did student ministry for about a decade and uh, kind of got my lumps, learned a lot and uh, moved to Tucson about uh, 10 years ago uh, to start a church. So you've been uh, the, the lead guy at, at Revolution. Do you call it Tucson Revolution? Is that what you call it? Or is it just Yeah, Revolution? it's just called Revolution Church. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, started that. I'm the lead guy there mm. and uh, planted a church. We're planting another one next year. And uh, awesome. uh, part of my role, too, is I get to oversee all the church planting for Acts 29 in Arizona. And so yeah. I get to do a lot of just coaching other leaders and, and, uh, and pastors and just helping other churches. So. Well, since you're coaching other leaders, I think our topic today will be quite appropriate. You know, you're, you're probably coaching, I'd imagine, church planners, so guys getting ready to dive into ministry and, and, yeah. and get their, their hands very, very dirty. Um, you wrote an awesome book called Breathing Room, Stressing Less and Living More, right? So we're going to – really, I, I love the idea. Actually, I heard you – a friend of mine, my old pastor, Ryan Hughley, you are on his podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, a year, a year or so ago, heard you on his podcast, wanted to have you on. And uh, I know Ryan's background and, and kind of how he's d- using some exercise and things to stress, de-stress. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about, you know, you know, first of all, your story in, in writing the book and then yeah. kind of the premise of, of Breathing Room. Yeah, I mean, so my story um, and really the book comes out of my story. Um, when I got married, I was 300 pounds. And so had a 42 inch waist, wore a two XL shirt. Um, when I went back to log what I ate, I would average about 6,000 calories a day. Wow. I was just real, real unhealthy. And, um, so probably, uh, right around the time that we were moving to Tucson, I was uh, just utterly miserable. You know, I was 28, uh, felt like I was 50. Um, I would just sweat at random times and just, you know, cause when you're just overweight, I mean, you're just hot all the time. And so it just became really difficult, um, to, to lead and, and to live. And it was hard to get down on the ground and play with my kids, uh, when we were starting our family and just became just utterly miserable and, and really just felt like something needed to change. And so, mm. um, bought a mountain bike, uh, cause I was too overweight to run. Um, it hurt, it just hurt too much to run. So I bought a mountain bike and, um, I bought some spandex that was too small because I wanted to just, I'm pretty vain. And so I wanted to be embarrassed when people pulled up next to me, um, while I was on my bike and just seeing the fat guy in spandex and, uh, um, and just really started to, um, to teach myself how to eat and to teach myself how to be healthy because I, I just didn't grow up, um, in a family that, that really taught me how to eat, um, that really taught me how to be healthy 
And, uh, and so then Breathing Room really came out of this journey of, in the first 18 months of our church, I lost 130 pounds and have kept it off. And so went, uh, lost an entire foot off of my waist, um, wow. it, which it is insane because it's essentially like a middle schooler that I lost. And so, <laughs> um, and, and so really Breathing Room just started to come out of, as I dissected the things that I learned during that time and started to see, especially for church planters or entrepreneurs or just leaders in general, um, they just live at really unhealthy paces. They, they, yeah. they eat unhealthy. Um, they miss out on things because of that. And, um, and ultimately then they, they're not able to finish in leadership or finish in ministry because they don't have the energy to do it. And so breathing room just came out of this idea that, um, that oftentimes because we push so hard in life, we miss all the best things that God has for us in life. Mm, that's I me. Mean, huge ideas there. I mean, you know, I think I've been around lots of church planners, been in a few church plants, been in some established churches. And this isn't a, this isn't something that's really talked about. I think burnout is talked about. I think people understand yeah. that burnout's possible, but you know the fact that your body is literally keeping you from doing what God's yeah. called you to do. That's a new idea. I, I think it's yeah. one that needs to be addressed. Right? I, I would absolutely agree. I mean, I get an email a week from a pastor wanting advice on getting healthy and losing weight. And it, what's interesting is that when I put all the weight on, so when I was in college, I played soccer, you know, running 90 minutes in a soccer game. So, I mean, I, I was small when I played, when I was in college and when I graduated and stopped playing soccer, I was on staff at a church and put on all this weight and no one said anything to me about it. No one ever pulled wow. me aside say, Hey, you know, like, you know, you're, you're looking a little bigger. Is everything okay? I, which... And here's part of the awkward thing is that when you talk about your body, it's an incredibly awkward conversation mm -hmm. to have with somebody exactly. because our body is really our first defense. Um, and, and it's a, it's a huge part of who we are. It's a huge part of our identity. No one's comfortable in their body. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things we'd like to change. And what was interesting when, um, when I got assessed to be a church planter, um, I had, you know, just shared about, cause we, uh, we joined Acts 29, the church planning network we're in about two years into our church plan. So I'd lost all my weight at this point. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting was that one of the questions in the assessment was how will I make sure that working out and the way that I look doesn't become an idol for me. Mm. And I thought it was interesting that no one ever had a conversation with me about putting weight on. It was all, well, let's just talk about how, you know, that's not going to become your focus now that you've <laughs> lost and so there's just this really, I think, unhealthy um, view of our bodies um, when it comes to religion, when it, come, when it comes to church yeah. and talking about it. And, um, and I think especially for leaders, because if you look at leaders, um, you know, lead pastors who lead, you know, effective churches, um, CEOs of effective companies, they're all in relative good shape. Right. So there is a connection, I think, to finishing in leadership, not necessarily being successful, but finishing and being faithful in leadership and mm. your health. Like there is a direct correlation between those two things. I, I'm with you. And, you know, I'll be quite honest. This is probably my favorite podcast we've done so far because, 
you know, this is this is essentially what ex nihilo is. I mean, for me, this is essentially the biggest issue is that you know people don't we especially in America we're so dualistic with our bodies. Like we we look at our bodies as like some sort of different idea. It's not connected to us spiritually or mentally. Yeah. And we can kind of just behave as we behave. And I've seen some stuff that you know, like you mentioned, kind of troubled me a little bit with with ministry leaders and people bloggers and this thing where. You know, it, we're almost celebrating the fact that pastors don't care about the way their bodies look because mm. it's, you know, the art of self-forgetfulness. But, yeah. you know, I, that can turn into self-neglect. And yeah. I think you see that, right? I mean, you, you, oh, yeah. you have a prime example. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I remember this was maybe about 15 years ago. I was with my brother-in-law and he asked me how I can um, be a leader, be a pastor and talk to people about self-control if I couldn't control myself when it came to food. Mm, And food for me became an addiction. It became a a place of comfort. Now it's not an addiction for everybody who's overweight. It's not an addiction for even people who are just slightly overweight. Um, You know, sometimes there's all kinds of things that go into the way our bodies look or how food, you know, attaches to it. And if we're able to lose weight, you know, and and thyroid issues and things like that. So, I mean, there's lots of things. I don't want to be simplistic about it. So there's lots of things that go into it. Um, But for me, I mean, food was something that I just turned to when things were out of control, when I had a hard day. I mean, we even call it comfort food, you know. And, um, and, and so I look to that and I feel like a lot of leaders do that as well. Um, and I was able to find safety in my weight. So when I was 300 pounds, if I didn't, if I got passed over for some kind of promotion at my job, or if I didn't get a job at a church, or if I wasn't invited to speak at something, I was able to excuse it as opposed to saying, well, you know, I'm not. I'm not talented or I don't have the experience for that. I was able to say, well, they just don't want a fat guy on their team. Mm. They just didn't want someone who was overweight. And so I was able to then not deal with some of the things or even grow in some areas that I needed to grow in um, because of my weight. I was just able to excuse it and say, oh, well, it's just because of the way that I look. And and that was a really that's a really unhealthy place to be. And And I don't think every person overweight does that. That was just what I did. Um, in the midst of my 20s um, when I was starting my career. Mm, That's good. No, I I appreciate you sharing that story, man. You know, this is an angle that, you know, we haven't even touched on yet, the angle of, you know, making this kind of become somewhat of a crutch. Now, I know it's, you know, cliche to kind of pick on people that are overweight. And that's, that's not obviously, like you said, what we're trying to do here. But, you know, what, what, you know, our site focuses on primarily isn't necessarily the way you look, it's the way you're able to perform and feel. And so the, yeah. the opposite of being 350 pounds isn't ripped six pack abs. Yeah. It, it's, no. it's feeling and performing in such a way that's going to allow you to do what God's called you to do. And so can you, yeah. can you, can you actually reach the end is, is the bigger yeah. question. So, well, and I think one of the awkward things, especially as I've tried to share my story at my church or to, to teach on, um, your body and just because um, I feel like there's a, there's something really missing in the church culture of not having a healthy theology of our body yeah. and the idea of being made in the image of God. But one of the awkward things is that the moment you begin talking about it, everyone in the room just assumes, well, he's just talking to the overweight people. Mm. But the reality is, is that some people's bodies, like I have a good friend who eats, he eats a Taco Bell like eight times a week and doesn't put any weight on whatsoever. I mean, destroying his body by what he eats, but you look at him and you go, well, you know what? He's just an average, you know, 39, 40 year old guy, not, not overweight. He's not scrawny. 
he just doesn't put any weight on because of the way his body is. And so um, it's easy for us to just think the only people who have a problem um, with food are, are people who are overweight, but that's not actually true. Because there's lots of leaders who are just naturally skinny, um, who are lagging in energy because of what they eat. They're just turning, you know, they're turning to monster drinks or whatever just to, to get through the day. Um, they're not sleeping well. Um, and they're doing all kinds, of, they're doing the exact same thing as I was as a 300 pound guy. Um, but they just don't look at it. And so mm -hmm. it, it's, it's this really hard place to, to talk about it, honestly, uh, because of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's kind of the touchy subject, right? So you, you speak at a church or maybe you speak in a, to a team of leaders, ministry leaders, and they all kind of look at the guy that's overweight as, okay, this is what you need to do. And clearly I don't need to do that because my body can handle it. But the truth is the same things are happening. This person's putting on obviously more fat, but there are some other physiological issues happening. You're going to have inflammation in your body. You're going to have propensities to have more heart attacks, diabetes, stroke. There's all sorts of things that are happening in your body. And so yeah. for, for, for me, and I think for you as well, the issue becomes stewardship. Are mm -hmm. you stewarding your body well? In yep. ministry, people are always talking about we steward our money, we steward our yep. families, we steward our ministries. But yeah, for some we reason, time. we steward yeah. our time, we steward everything. But what comes yep. to our body, what we do is we go to Revelation 19 and we look at the we wedding supper of the Lamb and we talk about God's going to celebrate, he's going to have a good meal and food's created for, for good. Yep. And so, and all true. Yep. But I'd imagine that Twinkies and, and Cheetos uh -huh. and Taco Bell won't be on the table when God <laughs> prepares not. that meal, right? So Well, and the verse, you know, in First Corinthians 6 is always just used to talk about, oh, well, you know, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so don't drink and smoke, you know, just, mm. you know, but have that third piece of pie at the right. third right. And, um, and so I think we missed that because... You know, when you think about, I mean, that's, I think 1 Corinthians 6 is something that should really shape leaders as they think about how they sleep, how they eat, um, how they take care of their bodies, how they rest on the weekends, you know, how they take vacations, the pace that they're living at, um, and, and and think through how that verse helps us to steward our bodies, like you're saying. So good. Okay, let's, let's talk a little bit about the fact that you're, you know, you're counseling some of these potential church planners, prospective church planners, or people that are already in the yep. process. And, you know, they don't see, and because this is the biggest issue that I see, I think, when I'm doing some coaching, they don't see this coming. They don't see this as a big issue because they've got to find a building or they've got to raise money or whatever it is or building a team. And, and so how do you talk to a guy to make this, to help them make this a priority in their life? Because I know there's lots of guys out there that will kind of go, yeah, 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 absolutely. But, you know, we need this. So, so yep. what do you say to a guy like that? Well, I think, you know, you just look around and you just see pastors who are are quitting, who are burning out, who don't have energy. I mean, just, you know, even hearing, um, you know, recently Pete Wilson just talked about how he's just tired mm. and he resigned from the church that, he's, that he planted and he was just out of steam. And so you just see all of these um, pastors where that where that's happening. Um, and I think one of the things that I talk with pastors a lot about is. The goal of leadership is to finish. Mm. <laughs> like that's the goal of leadership. It's not, did I plant a church that grew to a thousand people by the time I was 40? That's not the goal of leadership mm. because lots of people do that who don't finish. Mm. Um, the goal of leadership is to get to the end. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
when you think about it in those terms, um, now sometimes, I mean, there are, there are, I mean, lots of young guys who, you know, they're like, oh, no, like, I mean, the goal is to build a big church. The goal is to, you know, plant churches. Um, and those are all, those are all fine goals to have, you know, as long as they're not running your life. Hmm. But, um, I mean, the goal seems to be in scripture of getting to the end and hearing God say, well done, mm. like you made it to the end. And so soon after, um, soon after we started our church, my wife and I had this conversation about, okay, what are some things that will keep us from finishing? What are some things that will make us hate ministry? I mean, cause there's lots of pastors who don't like being a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of pastors, wives who wish their husband did something different. Um, and so we talked through how do we, how do we keep our kids from hating ministry? How do we keep our kids from hating the church? You know, how do we get to the end in our marriage and our ministry so that, you know, we can make this run as long as it is and, you know, your sleep, your food. Um, I, I mean, and when we, when I started to lose weight, I mean, my wife has been in shape her whole life. She's incredibly healthy. Um, for me, it was just not that way. It was something I had to learn to do. But I started to see food as as fuel for what I'm doing, for the for leading, um, for leading my family, um, and really changing my my view of food. I think is a big thing that a lot of pastors have to do because um, they just find themselves in these places where they're they're at lunch meetings. There there's donuts at every meeting you go to for pastors. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's all these huge things of pastries everywhere, and it, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to to not eat those, you know, you travel to a conference and you're, you're just eating horrible food for you. And it's hard, um, to have that self-control. And I think what happened to me is that, um, and I talk about this in my book a little bit, when I was 11 to 21, I struggled with a porn addiction. Mm. And what happened was I changed from porn to food. Mm. And a lot of pastors, have changed from some kind of addiction to food a lot of times. Um, and they'll feel better about themselves because it's not as bad of a sin in our minds. Wow. That's man, that's a massive, while we're on the, we're, while we're on the big theological, you know, kick here, let me, let me add to that and, and let me know if you agree or disagree with this, but you know, it's very difficult. We always hear from pastors, like you just said, it's very difficult to do lunch meetings, breakfast meetings. You've got the donuts, you've got the big plates of pasta, you know, you're doing these yeah. house visits or you're going to conferences and everyone's, you know, wherever they're eating, it, it's, it's yeah. hard. It's yeah. also hard to not lust after women while they walk down the street. It's very difficult to uh, not get angry with your wife or your kids. Yeah. It, it's very difficult to avoid things that do harm to your spirit, your body. It's very difficult. But yeah. we've bought into the idea in our culture, we, we, we're more like our culture than we think in, when it, mm. in terms of food. And we, 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 we think that food's innocuous, you know, mm. you just got to make the right choices, but really you've got to work out. But hear me, it's, a, it's also a theological issue. It's also, a, it's also an opportunity for the enemy to get you to stumble yeah. and, and, and send you down the rabbit hole in some of these issues and some of the, the way you're eating. And, and so if, if you're a pastor and you're listening to this or you're a leader and you're listening to this and you think, Food's not really that big of a deal. I think you might be wrong. I think you actually need to really consider whether or not food needs to be – you have to have some sort of food theology attached to the way you live your life. Do you agree? Do you disagree? No, I totally agree. And I I mean I think too one of the things that that leaders really need to think through is everything you do as a leader um, either adds fuel to your leadership 
you know, everything you do either adds fuel to your marriage, you know, fuel to your relationship with God, or it takes it away. Um, and so to think through, how do I add fuel to my leadership? Well, that means I'm not going to stay up and binge on Netflix until 1am as much as I'd like to. Right. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to sleep until 10 a.m. You know, I mean, I, I mean, all kinds of church planners who are playing video games. So like 3 a.m. and then they're sleeping in. And, and I think, man, like you're, you're just killing yourself. You know, I mean, lots of guys who wear as a badge of honor, you know, I worked 80 hours this past week. Well, that's not a win. How's that good? Mm. You know, uh, or I, I remember when we made a vacation policy at our church and I told our elders, I said, Hey, however many days you give me, I'm taking all of them. So it's like, good. You know, but so many pastors who I was talking to a guy the other day who told me he has been he has not missed a Sunday at the church that he works in for two years, wow. has not taken a vacation. Wow. And, and I said, number one, you're not serving. You're not serving God. Well, you're not serving your people. Well, you're, you're not you're not modeling to them what it looks like to have a good rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're not doing you're just killing yourself. Um, wow. and, and honestly, for that guy. He's afraid to take a vacation. Yep. There's so many. There's so many different ways I can go with this, but I'll, yeah. I'll go with this one first. You know, the, the the language in the scriptures that Paul uses about running the race well. There's yeah. this this uh, underarching theme of endurance that, yeah. that that happens. And so, if you've ever run an endurance endurance race, a triathlon, yeah. something like that, you understand that you've got to fuel yourself properly along the way, but there's also pacing to your life that you've got yeah. to. There's some bursts where you're going to be able to go hard, and then you're going to have to take it easy on others. And yeah. and, and it seems, almost seems like pastors are just like shotgunning monsters and thinking like this is a hundred meter sprint. But we're, we're yeah. talking about a, a, an Ironman uh, yeah. in ministry and in any yeah. really leadership position that you're in, whether you're CEO or whatever you are. It's it's a long journey. Yeah. What are people doing? Well, and you just think too. I mean, because here's what's really easy to to do is. It's easy to get into your 30s because I'm 37 now. So it's easy to get into your 30s and see people who in their 20s plant churches that are huge or start companies that just take off. And it's easy when you get to your late 30s to think, man, did I miss it? Mm. Like, did I did I miss my chance? Because I'm almost 40 and pretty soon I'm just not going to be a cool young leader anymore. And now I'm going to be over 40 Mm. and and maybe I missed it. And so there's this pressure that we put onto ourselves um, and, and one of the things that was, that's been really helpful that I make every young leader read is a book called The Making of a Leader uh, by mm-hmm. Bobby Clinton. Yeah. And he walks through um, the stages of leadership and he talks about how your first 10 to 15 years, there's almost no fruit. It's all about your character development. It's all about your inner life development. Um, and, and that's where most guys into their 30s are. They're just into this character development mm-hmm. season and that your fruit comes in the second stage of that, you know, usually like year 15 to 30 in leadership and then 30 and on is just this afterglow you have just this you you know you're the tim kellers and john pipers of the world where people are just coming to you and you're just you know so much and you just ooze wisdom and 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 that but but it's hard um and because you go to any conference and it's the successful people on stage and they're always young and hip looking and so when you get into your late 30s you just think man like i if i don't push this you know, this boulder up the hill, it's never going to get there because pretty soon I'm not going to have the energy for it. And and that's what I think drives so many um, pastors and church planters and entrepreneurs um, to, to really just burn themselves out.
great stuff from Pastor Josh Reich at Revolution Church in Tucson so far. This is the end of part one of our two-part talk with him. Uh, it was such a good conversation, we decided to just go a little bit longer and break it up. So if you're looking for the rest of this, feel free to check it out uh, further on the podcast down or on YouTube. We've got it up and via video, so uh, you can see our pretty faces while we talk as well. So, yeah, feel free to check that out, and we'll see you back next time on the Ex Helio Radio Show.